Now the question I ask at the beginning of this sermon is when I, what first comes to your mind when you think about Christmas? Jesus? Gifts? Yeah, kids are down there for gifts. Family time, you all get together as family for Christmas. Time off of work, using up your last days before the end of the year. Crazy time. How many were out yesterday shopping? Yep, yep, yep. How many of the uh, I can't wait till it's over time? Well, how about this one? Christmas, promise kept. How often do we think about that the birth of Christ is a promise that was made centuries before he was born and God kept the promise. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. In Micah 5, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village in Judah, yet a ruler will come from you, one whose origins are from distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the time when the woman in later labor gives birth to her son. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land and he will lead or stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored among all the, around all the world and he will be the source of our peace. Those are just a few of the promises that God made about the birth of Christ. Now Micah and Isaiah, they were contemporaries, they lived about the same time, but they lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. Now we think of that now, but think back, what was going on here 700 years ago? Be around 1300. I was talking to Phil this morning, we were talking about age, and I said, imagine what it would be like to live 900 years. Can you imagine that? Living 900 years and being a parent at like 400. But think about 700 years before that, that everything was prophesied of and the promise was given by God that a Messiah, a Savior would be given to Israel and then ultimately for all of us. And about 2,000 years ago, God kept the promise. He knew exactly when he was gonna do it. He promised it and it was fulfilled. Now, we look back and we, we wonder why is that important today? Why is the fact that God kept his promise 700 years ago, why does it matter to us? Okay, it's done. It's already been done. God kept his promise, good. Well, I'm gonna read a part of the Christmas story to you and I'm gonna, then I'll show you a short video, but I'm gonna, talk about this one sentence in this, in this passage. Luke 126, it says, and I'll read the story, it's rather short. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. Now think just for a second about that. This is a blessing that this girl who's never been with a man has to explain to everybody how this happened. And I'm sure for her at that time, didn't seem like much of a blessing when the people were looking at her. You will become pregnant and have a son and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said to me come true. And then the angel left. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sounds of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are blessed by God above all other women and your child is blessed. What an honor this is that the mother of my Lord shall visit me. When you come in and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. And here's the, here's the verse I wanna look at today. Verse 45, and she says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now, I've read that passage a lot of times. And this time that verse just jumped out at me. And I, you know, every Christmas, you can only preach about Christmas stuff. There's only so much to preach about Christmas stuff. And I thought, how can it be different? Well, God popped that verse out of me and I wanted to look at that because, think about what it says. You are blessed, why? Because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. What did we hear this morning? God's a God of miracles. As Keith said, God's a healer. Those are promises. Blessed are you because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now we're gonna look at two different meanings of this word. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but I think it could be both. Be both different meanings. The first one was Mary believed that the Lord would send a savior. Written in the Old Testament, we read the scriptures. Mary believed that the Messiah was coming. She lived her life, she was anticipating it. She believed what the Lord said in the Old Testament, the Messiah's coming. She didn't know about her being the mom. She just knew that the promise was given. And she lived her life in anticipation of that promise being fulfilled through whoever it was. She knew her life had to be lived in obedience to God because God promised a Messiah 700 years ago. She wanted to be ready when that would happen. When we think of Christmas, do we think of God's promise being fulfilled the first time? 
but do we think about God's promise being fulfilled the second time? God promised the birth of the Messiah. She believed it and she lived in anticipation of it. Do we believe in the promise of the rapture and his second coming? And do we live in anticipation of that? Because just as Jesus was born was fulfilled, the promise is gonna be kept that Christ is returning at some point. And the same thing has to be true. We have to be ready for that. Matthew 24 says, and then at last the sign of the coming of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among, among all the nations of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man arrive on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with the sound of a mighty trumpet blast and they will gather together his chosen ones from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Hebrews 9.28, he will come again but not to deal with our sins again. This time he will bring salvation to all those who are eagerly awaiting for him. In Revelation 22.12, see I am coming soon and my reward is with me to repay all according to their deeds. Mary had no idea when Jesus was gonna be born and more importantly, Mary had no idea that she was gonna be chosen to be Jesus' mom and yet she lived her life in anticipation of that coming. It could have come before she was born, it could have come after she died, but she lived her life waiting for that. She did not wanna miss out on what God had planned to do when the Messiah came. And because she took time to know God's word, the Old Testament, she took time to know it. She used that knowledge to live a life that would be pleasing to God if and when he came during her lifetime. Now, imagine what type of life she must have lived in order to be chosen by God. Now, I can't, you know, how holy do you have to be to be chosen that way? But the thing is, it's not only in deed. It's not only what you do. It's how is your heart ready for God? Her heart matched her lifestyle. How many know it's possible to be good on the outside? And people think you're a good guy, or a good, good girl. Pharisees were great on the outside. But it was the inside the heart that God was looking at. What's the Bible say when David was chosen? God looks on the heart, not the outward appearance. So not only did her heart, was her heart right with God, her lifestyle showed the same thing. The point here is she not only believed God's word, she lived it. You know, it's one thing to know God's word. I mean, important, right? But if it's all you do is know it, but your lifestyle doesn't match it, then God's word isn't really doing you any good. The Bible says we are supposed to live what we know to live. And because her life was right before God, she, like Job, you know, she was holy and blameless and upright. And because of that, what did Mary say to her, what did Elizabeth say to her again? You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Do we believe that the second promise of his return as much as, we, as Mary believed in the birth of the Messiah? And that means, do we live our life in anticipation of that? 
We know Jesus can come back at any moment. Now we know that here, but do we really live our life in anticipation of it? You know, the, the Bible doesn't say it in so many words, but it encourages us to plan like Jesus is coming back in 100 years from now, but we're to live like he's coming back today. Are you ready for the second coming of Christ? Mary was ready for the first. And the Bible says because she was ready, she was blessed. Matthew 24, 44 says, you also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. I, um, I remember watching a video about wasted time at work, especially now with computers. And if you're on a computer, you have the ability to waste a great deal of time. I don't want to show of hands, but how many of you spend time at work on Facebook or all the other ones? Or you watch newscasts. It's easy to sit at your desk and look like you're working, but be looking at something else. They set up a video camera on a group of employees to monitor what they were doing to make sure that they were actually working and not playing on their computer. And they realized that a large amount of time during the day was given to employees that were goofing off with their computer. They looked like they were ready, they looked like they were working, but at the end of the day, they weren't. And they were caught and subsequently in trouble. And I think that's kind of how we have to make sure our lives are matching up. We can look like we're doing everything right. We can go to church, we can give, we can whatever it is. But when we leave here, how do we live? Do we waste time? Do we do things outside of here that we would never do in here? We would never let other Christians know that we do. How do we live outside of here? Matthew 7, 21 says, not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. Like Matthew says, are we ready all the time? All the time. Mary was ready all the time. Now that was the first meaning. The second meaning, I think, could be specific to her. Mary believed what God told her was gonna to happen to her at that time. Not only did she believe that the coming Messiah was coming and she didn't know when that was gonna be, but she lived for that. Now, God told her something and she believed that the promise was given to her for the baby to be born. Now, think about, and even today, Imagine if someone came to you and said, I've never been with a man, but I'm pregnant. What would you say? No. No way. So in spite of all the natural evidence, in spite of biology, in spite of the science of the day, in spite of everything you know that made it impossible, she believed it. Mary even was questioning it. She said in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? 
I'm a virgin. Because she knew in the natural it was impossible. Now going along with what God told us this morning, what are you looking at in your life that in the natural is impossible? It just can't happen by human standards. A lot of us are. Whether it's a physical thing, a financial thing, or whatever, my family thing. Looking at it in the natural, it's just not going to happen. It's impossible for it to happen. She asked a question. She didn't get reproved from it. And the answer, I'm not sure about you, but the answer didn't really satisfy me, or I wouldn't have. Because the angel basically said, it's going to be a miracle. In verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I don't know about you, but it doesn't really explain how it's going to happen. Other than the fact it's a miracle and you don't need to understand it. How many of you try to figure out how God can answer a prayer? You know, if I pray, then that means God can, if, if he does this, 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 and this, I can see how that's going to work out. It's when you try to do that that God's not going to answer that way. There are things that God does that are unexplainable to us and we have to sit back and say, you know what, I don't know how God is going to do it. It's a miracle. I don't know what it means, how he's going to do it, but I'm believing that he's going to do it. Why? Because it was a promise he made. And we believe that God keeps his promises. Mary did not know how, but she didn't need to know how. A lot of times when we try to figure out how God's going to do something, we spend more time worrying about how God's going to do it than trusting him that he's going to do it even if we don't know how he's going to do it. Which brings us to the question, which of God's promises are you trusting him for today? The title of the sermon was Promise Kept. God keeps his promises. 700 years Jesus was born. Abraham, you're going to have a son when you're 100. <laughs> Promise kept. Messiah was born. Promise kept. David was king. Promise kept. What promise are you trusting God for today? What biblical promise that applies to you do you trust God's going to do? Or if you're like me, sometimes you try to figure out how God can do it. If I pray and I can see how God's going to work, rather than just praying that God does a miracle, trusting that his promise is true, even though I have no idea how he's going to do it. Mary believed something that everyone else would say is crazy. How many people have told you that being a Christian is crazy? Trusting God for miracles is crazy. Going back to the verse we had, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. The Bible says God is our healer, right? James 5.14, is any among you sick? 
They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make them well. That's pretty plain. Not a lot of ambiguity to that verse. How many have had examples of that promise in your life? Healings. God is our provider, Matthew 6.32. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Now that's a promise with a condition. I'll meet your needs if you put me first. You make sure I'm first and I'll take care of everything else. Now it says needs, not wants, right? And, you know, unfortunately. Philippians 4.19 says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of things we want and we desire and we think we need. How many of you have kids that, that they tell you they need this game? <laughs> or they, they need this, this toy and they need it. I mean, they just, they absolutely need it. Our grandson's into this Fortnite video game. I gotta tell you, whoever invented this thing is a genius. <laughs> I'm gonna choke him, but he's a genius. Because about every other week, there's this new thing that comes out that he has to have. It just, it, it, I, have, I have to have it. I gotta have it, I gotta have it. And you know, we're tired of saying no, 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 no. But, and then next week, it's something else. And next week, it's something else. God meets our needs. Not the things that we think we need and the wants that we have in our life. Now, I got to tell you, we, you know, our old pastor, he gives this example of trusting God for your needs. When he first started that church, there wasn't hardly anybody there, there was no money, and they didn't have any food, and he had three kids at the time. And God said, just, just set the table. Set the table, no food. Table set, everybody sat down, knock came in the door, someone brought in a three-course dinner to them. God told me to bring this dinner to you. God meets your needs if you trust him to do it. How many of you are praying for folks that you know who need Jesus? I think probably all of us are, right? The Bible says that God is the one who saves. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. How many of you know people that, man, they are just a million miles away from God, that they are never, matter in the natural, they are not gonna crack. God is not, no matter what God does, he can't save them. Well, you know what? The Bible says God can do anything. God can save anyone. God can crack the hardest nut. Our job is to pray. God's job is to save. And since you know that God's original plan was that everyone be saved, there's no one that can't be saved. Matthew 19, 25 says, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. 
But with God, everything is possible. I've used this phrase pretty much every week. If you're thinking about God, it's because God is making you think about God. The Bible says that no one comes to God unless the Spirit of God draws him. So that means God's drawing you, God's talking to you, try, trying to get your attention. Now, you've heard the example of the mule. A city boy comes in to try to move a mule back into the barn. The mule's sitting down, he's not moving. And he's tugging and pulling, he can't get him to move. And the farmer says, hold on a second. Goes over and gets his big two by four and smacks that mule right in the, right in the temple, right in the head here. Mule gets up, walks into the barn. The farmer says, all you gotta do is get his attention. That's how sometimes we are with God. God has to hit us upside our head to get our attention. And usually it's because of something that is hard in your life. Because when things are going good, you don't need God, you don't think. But when things go south and things get hard, that's when God has your attention. And the people that we think are hard against God that that won't ever crack, God can get their attention. (laughs) And how many of us have prayed the, the dangerous prayer, whatever it takes? Because if hardship and tragedy are the only things that can get their attention, God will do that to get their attention. Now we don't want that, but in the end, if the best thing that can happen to them is being saved, knowing Christ, so that they're ready at the end for the rapture or whether they pass away, that's more important than anything else. More important than anything physical, material, more important than anything else in the world is your relationship with Christ. Are you prepared to either when you die or if Jesus comes back before we die. Are you ready for that? Not just in your mind, but is your heart prepared for that to happen? Because at the very beginning we talked about the promise was kept of Jesus being born. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. If the God who promised the Messiah and 700 years later did it, and God promised the return of Christ and it's been 2,000 years so it could be any time now, if those things we are guaranteed are gonna happen, first thing you ask yourself, are you ready for that? And if those promises are true, then what other promises that God has made to you do you trust him for? Not just saying, yeah, I believe it, but do you live your life in anticipation of God doing a miracle? Are you, do you live in anticipation of a healing? How many have been healed of something in your life? God is no favor of persons. How many know that? Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same God that healed you and healed Lauren and healed you is the same God that can heal everybody. And as we heard this morning, and as we sang, God is still in the miracle working business. How many of you have family members 
that you're not talking to for whatever reason. And you'd like to have that relationship back. God is the God. The Bible says God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God is the one who can reconcile that. God is the one who can change a heart. God is the one who can get into into a situation and change it. We sang earlier what the enemy meant for evil. God can turn around for good. There is nothing that God can't do. Amen? Amen? Would you stand as we close this morning? If you bow your heads for a moment. I think it would be wrong for us to talk about it and not actually have an opportunity to receive it. The Bible says in Malachi, now this is forgiving, but I believe it applies to everything else. Test me, Malachi says, and see if I don't pour blessings upon you if you are faithful in giving. How we ever expect God to do something miraculous if we don't ever step out in faith and trust him to do it? The Bible's verse today, blessed are you because you believed that the Lord would, said, would do what he said he would do. God said he is the healer. God said he is our provider. God said he will save that person. If you're here this morning and you really need God to touch your physical body, we heard from God this morning, he's still a God of miracles. We sang the song, God is a God of miracles. God's word says he still does miracles. So now it's time to step out and trust him. If you need that touch, I want you to come down front right now. We're gonna touch you and we're gonna pray healing on your body in Jesus' name. If you need God to do a financial miracle in your life, you're one step from being on the street, that your rent is due and you have nothing to provide, God is the God who provides that for you. If you have a loved one or a friend who needs Jesus and they are just stonewalled against him, the Bible says God is the God who saves. He can do the impossible. I'm going to go over and be obedient to what the Bible says. For those needing a physical healing, the Bible says, anoint them with oil. The oil does not heal. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and we're believing that God's word is going to do it. The Bible says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and God will raise him up. I'm going to ask the church that they would extend their hands forward in faith believing God's word to be true and agreeing with us. There is power in agreement.
Hallelujah. Father, we stand before you this morning and we thank you. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you for saving us, Lord. You broke through our lives. You got our attention. And beyond all hope, you saved us. And we know, Lord, that there is no difference between us and everybody else. Because the same God who did it for us can do it for whoever we trust him to do it for. We are blessed because we believed that you would do what your word said you would do. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch those in our family and our friends who need Jesus, that you would open their eyes to the truth, remove the blindness from their eyes, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to them in a powerful and real way. I pray that you would do what it takes to get their attention so that they would come to know you, Jesus, in a personal way, not just knowledge in their head, Lord, but a transformation in their heart and their life. And Father, we thank you that you are the God who heals. Your word says you heal. By his stripes, we have been healed. Your word has promised that you will touch our lives. And Lord, I pray for healing for each person here who needs a touch from God. Let a miracle take place, Lord. Let the word of God be validated, verified. Let the glory of God be seen in each and every life. That God, your word is true. Let the world see that your word is true, that healings are real there for today and that God, you get the glory. You get the glory as you touch and heal every physical body. Father, we also pray for the needs representing this church. Christmas time is sometimes a stressful time for a lot of people. And we know that finances have a lot to do with that. Now, Lord, I pray that you would meet the needs upon the family in this church this morning, each one of us, Lord. Allow us to trust you, not for all these great extravagant things, although you may bless us with those. But I pray that you would provide the things that we need in a miraculous way. Now, we know that you use people to do that. A lot of times you use people to bless others. However you want to do it, Lord, we don't need to know how. But I pray that you would bless each person here. Allow us to be a part of your plan to provide things that we need in each and every life. That God, we will know that your glory is seen. The testimony of the power of God will be heard and that people's lives and their faith will be built up because of what you do. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Your word is true. You don't change. You don't change. Your promises, your word says, are yea and amen. amen. They're already done. We account them as finished. You raise Lazarus from the dead. If you can raise someone from the dead, you can heal blind people. We believe that you can heal what each one of us need you to do. And just as Elizabeth said, we are, will be blessed because we believe what the Lord said he would do. We believed on Jesus as our Messiah, which is the beginning of the blessings you've poured into our life. Allow us to continue to walk with you and daily expect to have that relationship and to daily expect you to work 
in miraculous ways in our lives every morning and every evening, every day. And allow us to be careful to give you all the honor and glory that you are due because you alone are worthy. And Father, as we wake up on Christmas morning and we see the gifts, help us to remember why we have the gifts. Because you were God's gift to us so that we might have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. You've poured your blessings upon us. Allow us just to live our lives thanking you just in an attitude of thankfulness to our Father who's done all these great things for us. And even if you do nothing else for us in the material, in the physical, the fact that you sent your Son to die for me and for each one of us, what greater thing can you ever give? So Lord, we thank you, we honor you, and we praise you for what you have done what you're doing right now and answering and fulfilling your promises because we believe that you're gonna do what your word already said. Now, Lord, I commit each person to you. Pray your blessings on their life. Give them a tremendous, a tremendous Christmas and allow us to remember why we do it. It's in the name of Jesus we do all these things. And all God's people shouted in victory Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. We pray your blessings. Have a great Christmas. Do things to honor God every year, every day, okay? <laughs>